Let's turn to Mark 14. And as you head that direction, uh, a couple things. Um, we are, we're into Lent now. We're um, practicing Lent in different ways, along with believers all around the world. Uh, Lent is a, it is a journey, a 40-day journey from Ash Wednesday all the way through to Easter Sunday. And during Lent, believers practice things like fasting and prayer and confession and repentance and imitating Jesus in really specific ways. And there are rhythms that we, uh, that we have sort of called the church to. One of them is, is a rhythm of fasting. And uh, fasting is a personal thing, and so people are fasting different things. But then on Wednesday, we're asking everyone to, uh, to not eat lunch on Wednesday and take your lunch time and find a way to get alone with the Lord somewhere and pray. And uh, Chris Cole, one of our staff members, has been writing uh, some devotional thoughts for us to have and to read together while we're sitting there hungry on Wednesdays at lunch. And we've been emailing these out, but if you want a hard copy, we have them on the speakers down here on the ground that you can take one of those with you. Um, if you want more information on Lent and on really anything in the whole church, we have these uh, Connect cards available in the foyer and in the lobby back here. You just fill out. Uh, whatever information you want to give us, leave it there, and we will get in touch with you soon. Um, let me tell you about something that's coming up. That is, uh, I know this. Doesn't, I don't want this to feel like an announcement time, but this is a vision casting time uh, because Lent. It, there's a vision for Lent. There's a vision for the church and what we're trying to do here in our part of town. And we have some really good news that we will be able to do our Easter egg hunt this year. Uh, we had to cancel it last year because of that pesky COVID, and so uh, we're gonna we're we're full systems go at this point. March 27th at the Flannery Road Park, right here, we are partnering with Breck in a um, in a new way. Typically, like we've done these Easter egg hunts, like at City Park and stuff before, where you just rent the you essentially rent the facility. Uh, this time we are partnering with, with the organization of Breck to put this Easter egg hunt on for this community. And so they are partners with us in the planning and everything. And a, a part of what we have to do, because, uh, because of, we're still in whatever phase that we're in, uh, they can, we can only have so many people at the park at one time. And so typically we would have a big event and tell, you know, bring everybody and let's, let's have a good time. But, Breck says we can only have 125 people on site at a time. So instead of one Easter egg hunt, we're going to do three Easter egg hunts because like, that's just what we're going to do. And so there's going to be a 10 o'clock Easter egg hunt and a 12 o'clock Easter egg hunt and a 2 o'clock Easter egg hunt. And Breck, uh, they're doing these, th- these kinds of big Easter egg hunts at some of the other parks. And so what they do is they do a pre-registration uh, thing so they can know how many people are coming and uh, so that they can cap the number of folks that are on site. And so we're going to have to do that for, our, for each of those three hunts. And so the, they've said there could be 125 people there, and so we are splitting up how many of those are volunteers that it takes to pull off the event, how many of those need to be Living Hope people, and how many of those need to be uh, folks from the general community. Um, and so we're trying to have it, have it evenly dis- distributed so that each hunt... There's enough volunteers to actually make the thing happen. There's Living Hope families, and there's families from the community at each of those slots. And so later this week, we're going to open up registration for that. And uh, basically, there's, there's two ways to participate in the day of event. You can, you can be a participant in the Easter egg hunt. 
Okay, if uh, and so if you're uh, if you have little kids, uh, you would register for ten o'clock or twelve o'clock or two o'clock, and uh, it's one spot per person, and so those will fill up you know pretty pretty fast. So we'll have to spread out evenly as best we can among the three groups. So you can show up as a participant at the Easter egg hunt and enjoy everything. You can also be involved as a volunteer. So we'll have probably 25 volunteers at each of those three, uh, at each of the hunts, helping uh, with the actual hunting of the eggs, and then there'll be some rec stuff afterwards and some kids' activities, and just people just being hospitable in general. And so um, those are really the two ways to be involved, um, as a participant in the Easter egg hunt or as a volunteer. You can participate in one shift and serve in another shift, or you can split it up however you want to do that. Um, We'll also have ways to be involved before the day of, uh, because we need to stuff about 7,000 eggs, uh, we're guessing, and so uh, I need some help with that, Uh, obviously. Um, 7,000 eggs, and we're doing uh, what has become, it's been dubbed a swag bag, and it's like a little bag that'll have uh, some... Uh, prepackaged treats and stuff in there, as well as information about our church, Camp Leaving Hope, um, we're, uh, the things that Breck is going to be offering in the spring, and, and we're going to talk to local businesses to see if they want to put in flyers or coupons or anything like that. And so it'll kind of be like a little bag that's like, hey, uh, this part of town, here's all the stuff that's happening here, uh, plus some goodies, because we're not going to be able to do like food food at the event because of COVID. So no, that's a lot of details and stuff, but here's, here's what you need to walk away from. Uh, one, you need to be thinking about how, how can you best participate so that when the signups go up, um, you can do that really quickly because we cannot wait to the last minute to sign up for this one. Um, and to understand that God has answered our prayers. Like during the 30 days of prayer, we prayed for connections in this community. We prayed for Twin Oaks Elementary. We, we prayed for things happening here in this event We'll pull all of those things together. The elementary school will be invited. The apartment complex over here will be invited. The businesses will be invited. Breck uh, and us, like it's all coming together in this one event. So the things we've been asking God to do, he is doing it. And uh, after a year of having to put things on hold, it's, it, I feel like there's all this pent-up uh, aggression in a good way that's like ready to do this thing finally. So even though it isn't our ideal um, for this year to be able to do it at all is really a gift from the Lord. And so please be considering that and ready for that. And when you see those signups go out, don't wait. Um, and we're going to, uh, cause it's going to be advertised at the school really soon and all that stuff. And, and we just have a month. And so, uh, but just wanted to like kind of put that out there. So now everyone knows the plan. So when you see sign up and it's like three slots, what's that all about? Now you, now you kind of know what's going on there. So very grateful to the Lord for um, uh, paving the way. And we really believe that this event is going to open up significant doors with the school and the apartments and the park and the businesses. Like this is kind of the gateway we've been waiting for. And uh, just really believe that God's going to bless it. And then uh, Camp Living Hope will be the second week of June. And that'll be another opportunity to invite the same from the same groups of people that'll be in that swag bag and we'll start signups for that really soon too. Camp Living Hope is it's our version of uh, VBS, but we just we treat it more like camp. Uh, if you've ever gone to kids camp or something like that, and so you'll be hearing more about that. So, all right. So it's Lent, and uh, we're 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 practicing Lent in all these ways. 
God is opening up these doors for the Easter for an Easter egg hunt that can lead people to the gospel, which is phenomenal, right? And what we're doing on Sundays is we're going slowly through Mark uh, for a couple of years, and today we get to uh, we get to see what Jesus does as his last thing before he is betrayed and arrested, and like all those things set into really quick motion. Okay, uh, so here we are, Mark fourteen. Uh, let's start in verse thirty-two. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. He said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping, taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Last thing Jesus does is find time, once again, to be with the Father in prayer. And the next couple of weeks will have will certainly have intensity to them as far as the sermons go, uh, talking about the arrest and crucifixion and everything of, of Christ as we get closer and closer to Easter. Last week was pretty pretty dense as far as the like Peter's denial and, and us like processing our own sin. Today will be today is a little lighter uh, and 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 I think even uh, like quite practical because you know Lent like the 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 Bible verse that like hangs over the season of Lent is the call to discipleship. If anyone wants to come after me, uh, meaning if anyone wants to be like me, um, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me. And when he says follow me, he's essentially saying. Um, literally watch what I do and, and imitate me. Like do, do the things that I do. And so if we're going to take that call seriously and we're going to look at Jesus and say, well, Jesus did this, so I'm going to do this, then uh, what, what a beautiful way to look at this time in the Garden of Gethsemane as an opportunity for us to learn how to pray from the, uh, the best prayer ever, right? Like no one prays, like Jesus, no one has that relationship uh, and that connection better than Jesus, and He offers us the same thing through imitation. So, let me give you six uh, six observations of ways that we can imitate Christ in our prayer life that we see here in Gethsemane. Um, they they uh, conveniently all shook out into like three word things, and so if you're a note taker, six points. They all kind of have three words there. Uh, you're welcome. Um, first one. Include your people. 
you want to imitate Jesus and what we see here, uh, include your people, right? So look at verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, um, he said to his dis- disciples, sit here while I pray, right? So that's the, seemingly it's the, it's the 12. And then it says, next verse, he took with him Peter and James and John, who are the, he's closest to them out of the 12, and began to be greatly dis- distressed and troubled. So he brings his disciples. He specifically names those three that he's counting on. Um, now, we certainly see Jesus praying alone uh, throughout his ministry. Times when he would get up early in the morning and go off by himself to pray. Uh, Lent is a 40-day journey that's modeled after his 40 days of praying and fasting in the wilderness. He was alone there. Um, and so it's not saying that you, can't, you always have to pray with other people. Um, but Jesus is, is distressed. Like this is... This is a dark time for him. And he could have said, you know, after the Passover meal, they, they could have sung the hymn, and he'd be like, all right, guys, you hang here, because um, you all look too sleepy. I'm going to go pray. It could have been one of those times where he went alone. But this was a time when he said, no, like, come, come with me. Actually, sit, sit with me in this. Just, just be with me. He doesn't even ask them to pray necessarily. But he includes his people in his distress, in his time of prayer. Uh, And I believe that that is a significant thing for us. Uh, And while there are times to pray alone, uh, in in a time of distress, Jesus included his community. And I believe that that signals to us uh, to to do the same thing. You know, there's there's that story where the um, in in Exodus 17, where uh, the nation of Israel is fighting, and Moses is there, and he has the staff of God, and he's holding it up. And as long as he holds it up, the they're winning the battle. And if he lowers his arms because he's tired, uh, they start to lose the battle. And so uh, his buddies come over, and they put a rock behind him that he can kind of sit on, and they each hold up an arm because he just couldn't do it, you know, and. In a very, very similar way, that's what's happening here. Jesus is in a dark place. He's like, just come sit with me. I don't need to do this by myself. Hold my arms up, you know. And so for us, if we want to imitate him, we need to have our wits about us enough to know that going into dark places in prayer does not have to happen alone and probably should not happen alone. Isn't that part of what, why Peter wound up denying Christ probably is that they scattered out and there was no, there was no one around him that was a part of his crew? I mean, that, doesn't that make it so much easier to fall into temptation when you're alone? And so Jesus models something here for us. So whether it's your closest friends uh, who are believers, your family members who are believers, your community group, uh, the pastors here at the church, don't, don't feel like you have to go into a distressful, sorrowful, dark time of prayer by yourself. Also, you can go to a fantastically like victorious and joyful time and include people too. It's not only the bad stuff. We just see Jesus here in a tough place uh, modeling something. So in- including people in this, it's how God made us. We weren't made to live on an island. We weren't made to be disconnected. Um, he did not create us to live life this way. And this is one of the beautiful ways we get to walk in community with one another. Second thing, practice self-awareness. 
Practice self-awareness. Look at 33. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be great, greatly distressed and troubled. He said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and he prayed. Okay? Jesus, there is a, there is a self-awareness that we see here. Um, he, he's, he's struggling, and he knows that he's struggling, and he articulates that to his people. Right? Like it says that he was distressed and troubled, so he said to them, quote, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Like he expressed that to them. He didn't, he didn't internalize it. He, didn't, he, he was attuned to his own emotional state enough to be able to say that to others to, so that they kind of knew, like, hey, this is, this is for real. And maybe it made sense when he was like, I'm going to get on the ground now and pray. Because that, like, we, we've all been in those situations before where you're just, for some reason, and I heard this in a, in, a, in a sermon I listened to about this, about, like, there are times when, like, we just want to get, like, lower to the ground for some reason. You know? It's like just the closer to the earth. So here's Jesus. He feels the weight of that, and it's almost like it just pulls him to the ground. But he expressed that because he knew he was in touch with his own emotions. So we see that humanity on display, which is pretty pretty remarkable. But that kind of attunement to your own like inner life is really important when it comes to prayer, um, both in knowing how to pray yourself and how to help others know how to care for you in that. If you look at verse thirty-eight, here's this is another like self awareness moment. After they had fallen asleep, and he wakes them up, uh, he says, "Watch." And pray that you may not enter into, into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's a self-awareness moment. Jesus is, is not only, he's not only telling them, uh, hey, you're, uh, this is why you're falling asleep. He's like talking about himself as well. He has this willing spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but like his human spirit. But the weakness of his flesh has him terrified, you know, and worried and on the ground praying. And so he's in tune with himself and he's communicating to them, hey guys, this is a this is a reality of the human condition. Like this is a shared experience for all of us. And so to take that wisdom, think about taking that in, in into your time of prayer, to be self-aware enough to know what you're bringing to the table, so to speak. Like he knows he he's like, I'm sorrowful I'm uh, to the point of death like my soul my soul is breaking um, for you and I it could be it could be that it could be uh, I'm about to pray and I'm really tired or I'm really joyful you know I'm I'm really I'm really angry or I'm I'm really content or I'm I'm super distracted or I'm very peaceful I'm very anxious I'm very confident I'm uh, I'm afraid what. To be able to assess yourself, because you're going to pray from from that place, you know, that's that's what we do. So if you go in and you're angry, you're praying angry prayers. If you're going in and you're tired, you're praying like a tired person. If you go in and you're joyful, you're praying like a joyful person. 
And so to be self-aware is something that Jesus models for us. And I think we can all see the wisdom in that. Not only knowing like how, where, what's going on, but even why. You know? To know I, this is how I'm feeling because, because I've been in the Word, because I've been in prayer, or because I've been disconnected from community. I, I haven't been actively abiding. I haven't been guarding what, I've, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to. Um, you know, I've, I've been, I've been out of community or I've been in community. Like, and so we're to have that self-awareness that Jesus has. That's a part of, I, I believe from this text, I believe that's a part of why he was like, you guys need to come with me. Like I'm not, I'm not in a, I'm not in a great place. And so it's that mixture of self-awareness and like the, like bringing others along to hold your arms up that we see Jesus doing here, that I believe we, we grab onto that. You know? That's important for us. And so if, you, if you're frustrated with your prayer life and you're like, like I don't know why, I, just, like, I start praying and then it just, it's almost like, like my prayers don't get off the ground. You know? It could be because like, cause you might need to do what Jesus does, is articulate, maybe to others, maybe just to him or, or to yourself, uh, kind of like where, where, where your emotional state is. Here's, here's a description of me coming to the table. It's very informative. And you know that from there you're going to pray. So, include your people. Practice self-awareness. Here's the third one that we see here. Address God properly. And I don't really like the wording of that one, but I'm, I've gone with it. Uh, address God properly. And I don't mean like the like specific words. Um. Or anything like that. I'm, I'm more talking about addressing him, like in in, a, in the sense of getting the order of your heart and your mind, like the relational order of prayer being very important. Here's here's what I mean. Look at verse 36. So Jesus is on the ground. He starts to pray. He says, "Abba, Father, all things are possible for you." That's the first part of his prayer. Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Abba is is a term of uh, endearment that was used whenever you were speaking direct directly to your father. You know, like your father. Some people will call their father father when talking to him, which I think is like not normal as a southern kid. Uh, if you're talking to your to your father, you would call him like dad or daddy or you know whatever whatever your term of affection is, right? Um, that's what Abba is. It's when you're talking directly to him, you're not talking about him, you're talking to him. And, but, and, and he does both. He says Abba, which is to him, and then Father, which, which, which brings in this, this role. Jesus is, in those two words, he is establishing the relationship that's happening in this prayer moment. And if, if I were to jump over to other times when he's taught on prayer, here's, here's where some of this comes from. Like in Matthew 6, uh, in his teaching on prayer, he says, when, this is Matthew 6, 6, he says, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father. Now that is describing uh, a conversation between a father and their child. That that's the picture, like that's the snapshot of prayer that Jesus gives us. Picture, there's a room, there's a, there's a, there's a bed, uh, there's a dad sitting there, and there's his son or his daughter 
sitting on the bed too. And they're just they're just talking. And even if you don't come from a great family background, we I think we can all picture that and say, "What? Well, that's not that's not intimidating. That's actually kind of inviting." Says that's that's what's going on. And as that conversation is happening, he says a few verses later in Matthew 7, 9 through 11, he's says, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, is going to give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, is going to give him a serpent? Says, if you then, who, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's saying, now that you have that picture, here's what that conversation looks like. If, if the kid is like, is like, Dad, can I have some bread? He's like, no, here's a rock. <laughs> like, that's not what's happening. Even the worst parents on the planet aren't going to be like, oh, fish, yeah, I got fish, here's a cobra. <laughs> you know, like, worst, worst parents on the planet are, are not going to do that. So how much greater is God when, you, when you're asking for something, what he's going to give you is going to be a good gift. Now, if a kid asks for a fish, he's saying, no, God's not going to give you a serpent, but God might not give you a fish either. Like, what if a fish is not good for you in that? And so there's this, there's this like really beautiful and simple picture that Jesus has already trained the disciples in, in praying. And so when he goes off to pray, he opens up uh, establishing that very, that very picture. Abba, Father. Essentially saying, in this conversation, I'm the child and you're, and you're the father. That's what he's saying. And then he says... All things are possible for you. That reminds me in the Lord's Prayer when he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed meaning holy and honored and exalted. That he's saying, not only am I like a child sitting on my bed having a conversation with my father, but my father holds the universe together. Like my father is not like any other father. So that understanding of prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew, and again we see it in Luke, uh, now here he is in Gethsemane, putting that very thing into practice. The Lord's Prayer starts off, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This prayer, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. They're, They're the same, you know. And even, even the idea of, of heaven, like we, we hear heaven, we think heaven is like way up there, far away. And so um, it's like we're going to have worship service and we're going to sing so loud that we hope God can hear us way up there. You know? Well, the Jewish understanding of heaven, which Jesus would have, uh, this is, would have been Jesus' as well, and he never corrects it one time, is that heaven is not way up there and we hope he can hear us. Heaven and earth, are there's an interconnectedness that's there. That heaven is very near to us. There's a there's a veil be, between us and heaven. Like we can't we can't see heaven, but heaven is not far. Heaven is near. Heaven is closer than we realize. And so when he says it's like going go into your room, close the door, pray to your father. Uh, it's another way of saying our father in heaven, our father who is closer than we can even realize. All things are possible with you. Hallowed be your name. 
And so when I say address God properly, what I'm talking about is is start off with the relational order in place. He is the holy, uncreated one, sustainer of the universe, who also is is the father of this family, and I know him well enough to call him Abba. And I am the... I am the child who has some needs. That, that's what I mean by addressing him properly. And so, the next thing we see, once, once that's kind of there, right? Like, he's, he's self-aware. He's like, okay, I know, I know what I'm bringing to the table. Or maybe, I know, I know what I'm bringing into the room. Um, I, know who the, I know who God is. I know where he is. I know who I am. I know where I am. And the next thing, the next point is speak your mind. Just speak your mind. Look at what, this is what Jesus says, 35 again. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Jesus is has this moment of like beautiful, brutal, heartbreaking honesty. If there, if it's, if there's a way, I mean, all things are possible with you. So if you can find a way for us to save all our children from destruction without me having to be crucified, I'd like to explore our options. It's not because he's scared, uh, like in the, in the sense that we think. I believe that the weight of the moment was just settling in for him. Because he was, he was about to go through, yes, the most brutal form of torture that, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know who these people are. I've read this many times over my, over my years. They're like, oh yeah, tor- uh it's like torture experts, basically. Like this is the worst one ever created. I'm like, who's a torture expert? Who would? How'd you even know that? But apparently, the brutality of the Romans and how they crucified people and why they did it the ways that they did uh, was just no- notorious and dreaded. Yes, it was physically terrible, but the, Jesus also was having to face the the bearing of like our sin. Like to be the perfect, like to live this perfect sinless life and then to take the sins of everybody on yourself. The spiritual weight of that, the emotional weight of that, the how that would separate him from the Father for the first time. Would, would, would there be a, a separation within the Trinity um, to have to know what it's like to sin against his Father? I mean, it just, it was heartbreaking on every level. And so this weight is settling in and he has this beautiful moment of honesty of like, uh, remove this cup from me. All things are possible with you. Remove it. And I believe that that is something that we, uh, I, I believe that he is showing us something that's very important. That we can be, we can be honest with God in our prayers. Like that we can express our hopes and our desires and our, our wishes and um, our disappointments. We can tell him the things we are really, really excited about and the things that we are not excited about. We, we can come to him and say, I, I really, um, 
you, you're just letting me down. You know? I, I'm not talking about being disrespectful, okay? Like, don't be blasphemous in this. Don't, don't take this as a license to, like, say whatever you want to God. But to be that humble child that's like, Dad, you know, you know what I mean? And I, think we've all, I think we've all been there. Uh, and I, I said uh, a couple weeks ago, we were singing the, singing the song, and it has a line in it, uh, you're never going to let me down, you know? And uh, I, like... There's a part of me that's like, yeah, let's put our fists in the air and like declare he's never going to let us down. There's, there's another part of me that's like, but I got my list. You know, you got your list. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean he's wrong. Just acknowledging the fact that human experience is difficult. Now, parents, not a parent, I'm just going to make an assumption here. I bet it I bet it means the world to you when your kid comes to you and just expresses whatever it is. What they want, what they're hopeful for, what they're scared of, what they're happy about. When they're just they just look at you and like you're you're who I want to tell about this. You're who I want to share this with. Isn't that what healthy relationships do? Isn't that what Friendships do, marriages do, and uh, that's what our community groups are trying to do. That's what our whole church is trying to do. Is, is just be where we're, we're sharing all of life, the, the, the good stuff and the difficult stuff. Because that's what relationships do. That's, Jesus has invited us into a relationship with the Father. And so uh, we don't have to put a governor on like our like prayers in that regard. And I will repeat, I'm not saying be blasphemous. But Jesus speaks his mind. And I believe that we are invited to do the same thing, to express those things to God, because that shows that we trust him, and it shows that we understand that we're in relationship here. We're parent and child here. We're not strangers anymore. We're not hostile toward one another. This is what, this is what a family does. Here's the, here's the fifth point. You know, the, the first point kind of happens on, uh, on its own as far as like other people, but if you're, if you're self-aware and you're like attuned to what's going on and you have uh, addressed God properly, like that relational order is in place and you've expressed, like as the child, you've expressed your honesty, uh, the fifth point is to remain open-handed. So, look at that prayer again, 36. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Then he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. The deep love and trust within the Trinity leads Jesus to include that statement as a part of his prayer. Jesus is saying, uh, I'm the vulnerable child here. Like, I'm the deeply sorrowful child in distress who is struggling. And so I'm not the best read on the situation. You are the best read on the situation. So whatever you want to do, I'm in. I do trust you. I think that's such a hard prayer to pray. It's... 
But to me, it's easier when you've done the prior steps, you know. When we've really assessed ourselves and we really know who God is and who we are, and we're and we're we're realizing like uh, we're not we're not apples to apples here in terms of this like discussion. That I'm the child on the bed, and He's the perfect parent. And if I'm asking for a fish, or bread. I know he's not going to give me something that's destructive for me, but he may not give me what I'm asking for because he's bringing a completely different perspective to the table, right? Again, parents, don't you wish your kids sometimes would be like, Dad, this is, this is what I think and this is what I want, but you're the dad. You're the parent. You, you know far more than I do, so your will be done in our home. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I mean, why, why is it that different with God, right? Because if you already recognize, like, I'm the, I'm, I'm the one that's hurting, uh, so uh, thank you for letting me be honest with you. What, whatever you want to do, I'm in. The thing is, prideful people can't be open-handed. Prideful people will, will come before God and say, this is my situation, this is my feelings, this is my will, this is my whatever, I don't care what you say. Open-handed people are saying, this is my request, but I'm not, I'm not clinging tightly to it. You, you take it and you replace it with whatever you, whatever you want to do. Leads us to the last point, to accept God's response. Just accept what he has, what, how he answers it. So verse 41, he came to them a third time and said, are you still sleeping, taking your rest? Uh, it's enough. The hour has come. Son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Here's the here, here's the arc of the prayer. Uh, Jesus says, "This is what this is what I want. Um, your will be done." God says, "No." God told him no. Jesus says, I want a fish. God says, nope, I can give you a fish. Now, he, he's not being mean about it. He's not, he's not saying it with a smirk on his face. I believe he's probably saying it with tears in his eyes, honestly. Like, no, we, we're going to go through this. this. This is what's best. And you'll see it. You'll see it one day. But God told Jesus No. God tells us no. It's not because we're because we're bad. It's not because we did something wrong. It's not because we need to ask the right way. It's not because he's withholding. It's not because he's n- somehow not good. He's just work. He's working with a completely different set of information than we are. He he's other than us. His ways are higher than our ways. And we have to go into the prayer room with that in our minds. And we have to accept his response. And so for Jesus, accepting his response looks like obedience. He wasn't like, oh no, my betrayer is coming, let's go hide. He's like, stand up, let's, let him come to us. Like, let, let it happen. God has responded. This is what is best. It's going to be awful. 
Now, it doesn't mean for us it's always going to be bad. I listened to another sermon. This guy was like, obedience is always terrible. It's always hard. You never want to do it. I'm like, that's, that's not true, right? God's not going to always call you to do the worst possible thing, okay? Like obedience, obedience can be full of joy. It can be full, so good. But there are times when it's not going to be your favorite thing. But if we, are, if we really do believe that God is who he says he is, and he's where he says he is, and his ways really are higher than ours, and that we are his sons, his daughters, who have been redeemed, and we are being redeemed, and so we're in that morphing like process, and he's still sovereignly guiding the universe, and like if all those things are true, then there just comes a point where we're like, well, this is what God thinks is best for me. I asked for a fish. He said No. But he, what he's giving me is not going to be a snake, but it may not be a fish. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it is. Run with the analogy all you want. But whatever it is, it's coming from him. And so there is this goodness, this global goodness to it. So think about those six things. As I said, the, including your people, that, that's not really quite as sequential. But, but think, think about the like points two through six in, in order. Like if... If this were part of how we prayed, like if we if we got really self-aware and we came into the room and we began by addressing God properly and we got that relational order set in our minds and in our hearts and we were to convey our, like our like like speak our mind to him but then be able to say, to like quickly follow that up and say but it really it's not really even about that. That's just that's just what I think. What is important is really what you think. And so I'm going to go, and uh, you, however you want to respond, I, I'm ready to obey whatever that looks like. And sometimes that response will come immediately. I mean, right here, uh, like the the guys with the torches start coming, you know. Other times you might pray about something for a while before you really know. And it's that steady rhythm of like I'm going to bring myself before the Father, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do the things that He did. I'm going to look at the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to look at this this prayer. I'm going to look at the, uh, the other prayers of the Bible. I'm going to learn to do these things, and they're all structured so similarly. You might be in a place of complete sorrow and distress right here in the in this room. Maybe people know about it. Maybe people don't know about it. You might be on the other end of, of, of the continuum. You might be like, man, I'm, I've never been better than right now. You know, God, God wants that entire spectrum to come into the prayer room. You know, we don't just have to pray when we're down. You know? That prayer is an ongoing relational thing for us. And so if you maybe have been struggling with the feeling like, like, man, I don't really feel like my prayers get off the ground. I don't really know if I'm, there's something, well, maybe pray like Jesus prayed. Maybe imitate your rabbi and your savior and your brother, and your friend, and your king, and your prophet, and your priest, and I'll keep going. Maybe imitating that guy uh, in some of these ways would be helpful. You probably saw things in there, too. There's more than six things in there. You probably saw other things like, ooh, that, 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 that. But this is, this is what discipleship is. It's invited into, we're, we're invited into this relationship to do these very things. And so I hope this has been helpful to you, and I hope that that we're all able to like directly apply some of these things. And maybe there's just a part of you that's like, I just need to, I need to stew on this a little bit more about this or this and this. That's fantastic. That's 
a part of the beauty of having the scriptures of our own and having a relationship with God of our own and being able to do that. And so um, I, I hope this has been helpful to you. And we're going we're gonna to sing a little bit. And if you want to pray, uh, you can do that. If you want to come down here and pray, these steps are always, there's nothing magical about these steps, uh, but they are available to you. That Sometimes it's like good to put a physical, like get up out of my chair and come kind of thing. Um, we're going to sing a little bit and just respond to what God may be stirring. And so I just encourage you to steward that uh, in these moments. Uh, let me pray for us. And let's go ahead and stand together. Let me begin. Father, I'm thankful for for so much this morning. And um, thankful to think about those disciples um, in the garden with you, just kind of clueless. But at the same time, able to watch their watch their best friend and their rabbi uh, have to wrestle, and I'm sure that that came uh, came into play later on for them as well. And so this morning, whether whether people here are or people watching are in bad places or good places, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you still invite us to to come and to pray and to bring these things to you, and so. Um, I pray that as we sing and just respond a little bit, that you do just continue to have your way, and that we would bring our our honest uh, requests to you, but never forgetting who you are, where you are. <laughs>